The Holy Gospel according to Luke chapter 12. Someone in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the family inheritance with me. But Jesus said to him, Friend, who set me to be a judge or arbitrator over you? And he said to them, Take care, be on your guard against all kinds of greed, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. Then he told them a parable. The land of a rich man produced abundantly, and he thought to himself, What should I do, for I have no place to store my crops? Then he said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build larger ones, and there I will store all my grain and all my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, You fool, this very night your life is being demanded of you. And the things that you've prepared, whose will they be? So it is with those who store up treasures for themselves, but are not rich toward God. This is the gospel of the Lord. Please be seated. Grace and peace to you from God the Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Loving God, we give you thanks for this place of peace and renewal. Bless us today with a sense of your presence among us. Amen. Well, you've probably noticed that there's an hourglass on the altar today. Well, an hourglass has been used as a measurement of time for centuries, but it's also known as a symbol, a symbol of the fleeting nature of time. And you can see when we turn it upside down, the sand begins to run to the bottom. The sand on the top represents the future. The sand on the bottom represents the past. And that little bitty bit of sand that keeps running so quickly through the center, that's the present. So I'm going to set it here for now because it does pertain to our gospel reading for today. In our gospel reading today, Jesus is making his way toward Jerusalem and the cross. And as he does, he's all too aware that his time on earth is running out. He knows he has little time left to live, and he is acutely aware that life can be short. He understands the importance of entrusting his life to God, so he does that. He entrusts his time on earth to God. Jesus also understands the folly of entrusting any life to the things of this world. He just may have been thinking about those things that day when a certain man approached him demanding his help. Jesus notices something about this man. He seems just a little too eager to get his hands on that family inheritance. So Jesus told a parable about someone who was looking for security and happiness through his riches. The man in the parable reminds me of Scrooge from the Charles Dickens novel, A Christmas Story. You probably remember Scrooge, don't you? Well, Scrooge was a cold-hearted miser, and he just hated Christmas. And Dickens says that Scrooge was so cold inside that it actually froze his features. He had a pointy, pinched nose and shriveled cheeks. He had thin blue lines and red eyes, all from being so cold inside, so selfish. He was so selfish, he spent all of his time hoarding his wealth and despising the poor. 
And that's how I picture the man in this parable, like a cold-hearted miser, greedy and self-centered. This man is so self-centered that first-person pronouns appear 11 times in this story. He thinks to himself, he talks to himself, and he consults only himself. It's just all about him. And he never thinks of sharing. His time on earth is all about building bigger barns to hoard his excess. He thinks he has all the time in the world to enjoy what he's stockpiled. And he has big plans to eat, drink, and be merry. Like Scrooge, he didn't realize how short life can be. He had no idea how little time he had left to live. His life had become a futile chase after more and more. And from the way I read it, he pretty much worked himself to death. In fact, God came to him that very night and said, you're out of time. I met a man like that when I was working as a chaplain in a physical rehabilitation center. But oddly enough, he didn't look one bit like Scrooge. He actually looked like a pretty ordinary man. And when he described his life, it sounded pretty ordinary too. He was married and he had three kids and he had worked hard all his life he worked hard to be successful for the sake of his family. But ironically, he was so busy working, he rarely had any time to actually be with his family. At first, they needed a bigger house in a new neighborhood with access to better schools for his kids. And then it just seemed like his family just needed one thing after another. But at some point in time, things changed. His family really didn't need any more of anything. All his hard work was no longer about his family or even acquiring things. He just loved working. He was good at it. His success energized him. And when his wife and family went to church without him on Sundays, he was glad because it gave him more time to work. He told me that that desire to work more, to succeed more and more, that it was insidious. It just kind of sneaked up on him, and over time, it took up his entire life. But then he got sick, and there was no cure. And he began to regret all the time he had lost with his family, time that he could never get back. You could call this man's preoccupation with success greed because it was foremost in his mind and heart. It was all he thought about, all he wanted to spend his time doing. He was so focused on being successful he had no time for God, family, or friends. In the past, I have always associated greed with money. And that's, that's pretty common. But in our gospel reading, Jesus tells us there's more to it. He warned his disciples to be on guard against all kinds of greed. And greed is actually defined as an intense and selfish desire for something. And that something could really be anything, like success. Or we could get hooked on things like a strong desire for power or prestige or popularity. Theologian Richard Rohr even suggests something he calls spiritual greed. He says, we may start out sincerely wanting to be and do our best, but we end up trying to earn merit badges from God, seeking to be the most holy, the most righteous, better than anybody else. The selfish desire to get more and more of something, it can affect anybody. And like a contagion, it can spread through families, schools, and the workplace, even globally. 
nations wage war against other nations in order to gain more and more power and control. Unfortunately, we are all susceptible to being consumed by our own desires, whatever they might be. They can distract us, stealing more and more of our time and therefore our very lives. So what in the world are we to do? Over the years, theologians have tackled this problem in different ways. For St. Francis of Assisi, the spiritual life is all about letting go. Theologian Richard Rohr points out that St. Francis practiced letting go of his own will, his own needs, and his own preferences until he was free from their control. He just let go to let God guide his life. There's a group of us who have been meeting at St. Edward's Park throughout the summer to hike with Pastor Larry. And together we enjoy the beauty of the woods as we immerse our senses in the sights and the sounds of the nature that surrounds us. We take the time to reflect about spiritual things and we share thoughts along the way. On one of our group hikes, Pastor Larry pointed out that God begins to teach us to let go very early in life. It starts when we take our first breath. The Greek word pneuma is used to describe breath or spirit. And when we're born, God breathes into us, giving us life. When we take our first breath, we receive this gift of life from God. And then we breathe out. We let it go. We release that breath, trusting to receive another from God, and then another and another. It comes naturally. Over the years, we learn to let go of more and more, trusting God as we do. And yet, I think there's times in all of our lives when we find this to be a difficult thing to do. There are times when we find ourselves trying to hold on tightly to something because it gives us a sense of security. For some, it may be the power that comes from the privileges we've received in life. Privileges we've received simply because we were born in a certain place and are a certain race. So we waste our time trying to hold tightly to that privilege, afraid of what we might lose if we let go. But letting go of that privilege means recognizing the value and the importance of others, especially those who are not like us. It means leveling the playing field, deliberately making room for everyone. And when we do learn to let go, we discover that we really don't lose it all. In fact, it's a win-win. We all win because we discover that our differences are actually our strengths. Over the years, as we learn to let go of more and more, we find ourselves focusing less on ourselves and more on the well-being of others. And as we do, we help the world to become a much more peaceful, a much more just place. Martin Luther put things a little bit differently than St. Francis. He teaches that everything we have in this world is really not ours at all. We don't own anything. Everything we have really belongs to and comes from God. And when we recognize that, our natural response to God's generosity is gratitude. Gratitude that motivates us to take the time to share what we have with others, all in a deep thankfulness to God. And this is a practice that, when it's put to use, brings much more equity to the world. I know a man who, before he even gets out of bed, he takes the time to thank God for everything he has in life. He is not the wealthiest man I know, 
but he is the most generous man I know. He's generous with his time, his money, and his power. For him, it's all about bringing joy to others. I think these spiritual practices that I've mentioned are helpful because they teach us how to avoid wasting our time by chasing after more and more. They teach us how to use our time wisely. But I do have to confess that I tend to be a worrier. I tend to think like, things like, well, what if I'm holding things too tightly? Or what if I'm not thankful enough? And that's when I remind myself that Jesus' journey to Jerusalem did not end with his death on the cross. His resurrection and ascension means we're not in this alone. God is with us to help us because we all need God's help. We can't do it alone. God is with us and will help guide us because we too can be overcome by our own desires and fears. Not because deep down inside we're selfish, evil people, but because deep in, down inside many of us are afraid. We're insecure. Deep down inside, many of us are either afraid that we won't have enough or we're afraid that we're not good enough. Or in light of yesterday's tragedy, we may be afraid that we're not safe enough. So we can spend all of our time on earth striving for more and more of what we think we need in order to get that inner peace. That inner peace that tells us it's okay. You will have enough. It's okay. You are good enough. But that peace can only come from God through the power of the Holy Spirit. It's the kind of peace that frees us from wasting our time on fear and worry so that we can use that time on earth for better things. Things like eradicating racism, helping refugees resettle, and promoting social justice and peace. How we use our time is important. It's so important that I've used this word time quite often in this message. Have you noticed how much I've said that word time? Yes, a lot. Well, at least 26. <laughs> but I did that because the parable Jesus told that day described a man who basically wasted his whole life. He just plain wasted all the time that he had. I think Jesus told this story out of a deep love for us all to help us all stop and think about how we use our time. This story is actually a gift to all of us because there's no doubt about it. Our time here on earth is limited. The only question is, are we using it wisely? Amen. As you are able, please stand and join me in the hymn of the day.